0: Hello, listeners. Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. You are tuned to the Nighttime Podcast, focused on the fringe of Canada. Hello, listeners. I got something special for you in this episode. Well, at least it's very special to me. I invited my best friend Randy to join me in a discussion and give a bit of an update about the first story I've covered here on Nighttime. In fact, Nighttime originally began as a venue to share this story. But then I kept making episodes and five or six years passed and here we are. So if you're new to the show, this story may be new to you as the original episodes have long since been removed from the feed. But I've often wanted to find a way to represent the story. And that's what's about to happen. So let's get into it. Tonight, in this episode of Nighttime, my pal Randy and I will be discussing my grandparents' UFO sighting and my investigation into it. Randy Stonewall, you're back for another one. and this is a, this is a perfect one for you because' it's a, it's a local story. It's
1: a local story
0: and uh some familiar folks involved as well yeah for people who are long-time listeners of the show this isn't a new story because this story was the first story i ever covered on the show but it was also like in a roundabout way i started this show so i would have a place to share this story the story yeah i remember I guess let's talk about about the people involved first. Uh, this yeah. story centers yep. around my grandparents, uh, yes. affectionately known as Nani Teresa and Papa Eddie. Papa Eddie, yeah. I think you've met them both multiple times.
2: Oh, lots of times growing up, and
1: uh, even when I lived in Toronto, um, you know, I would I would uh, actually go visit your mom when she lived there quite a bit. And they would be in town, you know, sometimes. So, My grand,
0: yeah. You know, the grandparents, right?
1: But yeah. I, I remember one Thanksgiving that was the case.
0: Yeah. Um, in, in and yeah. like understanding to this story, I've, I often, when people ask me about it or when I talk about it, I often say like you really need to understand Nani Teresa and Papa Eddie to understand the story because their personalities that, are such an important part of it. Oh, Yeah. Let me tell you it this way, is my whole life, there's always been this story that would come up, but never be discussed. And the story was that my grandfather and grandmother, in 1986, had an encounter with a UFO. UFO? And the way it would come up is, I don't know, there would be an ad on TV for like an upcoming movie, like Independence Day in theaters. My grandfather would be like... (laughs) I saw one of those things in 1986 and my grandmother would be like, shut up, Eddie. No one wants to hear about that. And that's like, as far as it would go (laughs) then, you know, and then uh, I don't know the TV show X files got big. So people would be like, didn't you see a UFO Papa? And he'd be like, I did. And the astronomers shouldn't take me seriously. And my grandmother would say, (laughs) shut up, Eddie. No one wants to hear about it. And, and that was really, is as far as it went. But here's the important part to know is that my grandfather is like, you could say he's a nut and you wouldn't be uh, you wouldn't be way off if if UFO if a UFO piloted by an alien came down to Earth, showing themselves to someone like Papa Eddie would be a real safe bet because crazy yeah. stuff forever happens to Papa Eddie he he has uh, when he was a kid, Across the street his, uh, was another young boy. Him and my papa became good friends, of course, growing up. And that boy's parents at the time when my grandfather was growing up, they worked on Oak Island as treasure hunters. Uh, their last name is Chapel. And they often come up on a TV show, The Curse of Oak Island. My yeah. grandfather's like good friend's dad would like spend the summers on Oak Island doing treasure hunting. Throughout life, my grandfather forever talked about Oak Island. Same thing goes with like, you know, spies and satellites. And he he was just into like all that weird kind of stuff. He had, um, I remember in his car, he had like, you know, most people have a radio an AM FM radio. My grandfather Mm -hmm. had all these other ones. He had like a shortwave and a CB radio and we would be like driving around Sydney and, he would just pick up the CB radio, which was like, I don't know, like a chat line before the internet and he could just call people on it and they all use code names and code words and stuff to, to chat. So that was like, yeah, like a ham radio. Yeah. He had a ham. I think a CB and a ham, maybe two different <laughs> things, but he, oh my God. he, yeah, he had all that in his, in his, uh, in his car. He, he collects, uh, collect it. Like, I think when he grew up, he, um, Grew up, his family owned a scrapyard, so he was really into scrap metals. He would go. Um, we go. Uh, my dad worked shift work, so I was often left with my grandparents. And me and my grandfather, Pavetti, we just roam around Sydney with his dog, and he knew everybody in Sydney. He'd stop at every store and chat with the people. But as we were walking, he kind of taught me to always look at the curb. So as we walk, we looked at the curb for anything—a coin, a bill, or a little piece of metal. And whatever he found, he picked it up because he could identify the metals. He'd be like, "Oh yeah, there's a, you know, there's a bit of copper on this." He'd put it in his pocket, and oh, this is you know (laughs) this kind of thing, and he'd put it in his pocket. And then when he got Mm -hmm. home in his basement, he had like all like all these piles of different metals that he would he'd squish them down and melt them down and sell them. And I don't know. Anyway, he's so he's just a that was the kind of guy he was. Um, Yeah, not if you're ta- if you're talking about someone experiencing some faro thing he wouldn't be the most believable guy my grandmother yeah. however Nani Teresa is um the most down to earth yep. person you could ever meet if she said something happened sure. you would it happen you would never question it she would never no. exaggerate where my granddad like only exaggerates <laughs> she would she would never be dishonest <laughs> all she cares yeah. about is like doing the right thing for her family where my granddad is you know he believes that the challenger spaceship was shot down by aliens and it's a (laughs) cover-up and you know like that sort of thing oh my god yeah so anyway that's that's not yeah so throughout history as this uh (laughs) as this story in my family it was brought up but never really told in completion no one in my family cared enough. I don't, I don't think to like sit Papa down and be like, you know, this is an important story. Tell us what happened. They would just say like, (laughs) whatever. Um, now you cut ahead into the future, I don't know, 20 years to, uh, I don't know, a year before I launched my podcast. So about 2015, uh, yeah, Mrs. Nighttime and I, whenever we would go home to Cape Breton, we would stop at Nani and Puppies every time for like supper. My grandmother's a great cook, so she'd make like mm-hmm. spaghetti or pasta or something. She she was a nutritionist before she retired. So she like it's just yeah, she's an amazing cook, cooking stuff from scratch.
1: Yes, yeah. You've had, I've had I've had her meatball. Soup was yeah. it ravioli? Meatball super?
0: soup is like her specialty. She kind of invented it using like leftover spaghetti sauce and meatballs, and it's um yeah. it's a kind of soup using broth, spaghetti sauce, and then meatballs and chopped mm-hmm. up noodles. It's delicious. Uh, but her meatballs yeah. are the best meatballs to this day. Um, I think I could give <laughs> her a run for her money. I don't think so. I don't even think it'd be. It wouldn't even be close. Oh, come on. Stop. Uh, Come up to Halifax sometime because she lives in Halifax now at a senior's home here. Um, Yeah. And she would love to um, show you what's up when it comes to meatballs. We we can have a kitchen cook-off, a throw-down. We'll do it. Um, And and we can put it on the show. That sounds... She would love to be involved in that. Okay. So... (laughs) So here's, here's what happens is Mrs. Nighttime and I, whenever we go home to Sydney, we make a point to at least once go to n- see Nanny and Poppy and have supper. Um, and Papa, I say loved. Um, I probably didn't say this yet. My granddad passed away two years ago. Yeah. Uh, God rest his soul. Um, but we'll, we'll get into that. But he... Um, mm-hmm. Papa, like he loved to tell stories and talk to people. So whenever we would go for supper, you know, I'd sit and chat with him for a while, but then inevitably, like he would end up sitting next to my wife and (laughs) just talk her ear off. And she would be too polite to like get up and walk away. She would just sit there and he would tell her every time we would go for supper over the period of seven or eight years that she was involved with him he would tell her the same, like, say, four stories, maybe four stories is being generous. <laughs> and I would be like in the other room talking to my grandmother, who's completely coherent. Uh, so you can sit and chat with her just like you and I are chatting my granddad. And then I would just be like, look in at my wife. You'd see her like she'd just straight up be on her phone, like doing on something as, as Papa's yeah. like
2: the treasure's not in Oak Island. They moved it to Cape Breton
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then that was always one of his stories. Another one was when Jordan was born, I told his parents they should name him Napoleon.
2: Oh my god! And then
0: that would be a story. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: and then um, yeah. So anyway, uh, I
1: remember one time going to visit him, and he came up from like the down from your ba- from the basement
0: of his house we were talking to your grandmother in the kitchen and he came out of nowhere and he's like, he goes up to you and he's like, this guy right here and he points at you. And he's like, he's going to shave his head. Look. <laughs> I'm like, what? What? do you remember that? Jordan? Yeah, I do. We, um, he would, he would say, <laughs> he had like these, these few things that he would always say, but he loved, what was weird is like, as he got older and he kind of, he didn't have Alzheimer's, but he just got kind of wacky, but yeah. he always had a sense of humor and you could mess with him. Like I would call him yeah. and he could hardly even hear me because it's like, <laughs> it's my hearing aid and this and that. And I, but I could just screw with him on the phone and I would like, I would yeah. call him. And what I would say is something like, uh, something great happened, puppy. I just had the opportunity to invest in the search in Oak Island. I'm I'm giving them five thousand dollars, and if they find something, they're going to give me like my money back. And he would get like all bent out of shape about like you're wasting your money. Um, that <laughs> happened a lot, and, but it, then eventually he'd realize I was joking, and it's like you could kind of mess with him even though he was like out of it. But yeah. anyway, so let's go. <laughs> let's get back in time to 2015 ish before I launched the show. Yep. we're at supper at my granddad's. Um, my oldest son was like two at the time, so he was there. So it's like it's like me and my grandmother and my baby, then baby, in the kitchen, yep. like talking like the adults because puppy can't be involved in like the adult conversation. And nope. my no, wife, no, no. Uh, Mrs. Nighttime and Papa are like on the coach, probably talking about Oak Island or something. Anyway, we, we do our thing. we have supper, <laughs> we leave. Not the drive home. My wife is like, um, every time I've been with your granddad, he told me the same like four stories. But tonight, he told me like a new story that's completely crazy. And I was like, what story did he tell you? (laughs) Apparently, him and your grandmother saw a UFO and it like messed with their car. And I was like shocked because no one had ever heard the story. I'm like, wait, what did he say about it? And she's like oh he told me the whole story like he was going on and on and on and on about it and i've always been (laughs) interested in the story but whenever i asked him he would always tell me like your grandmother doesn't want me talking about it or something like i'll tell you later you know so i didn't really pry but this is the first time like anyone got the whole story so i was i told her i was like tell me what happened Like, what was the story? And she's like, Oh, I wasn't really listening. (laughs) So, uh, I, I made it a point where like tomorrow we were in town for like three days or something. So I'm like, I'm going back tomorrow and I'm going to find a way to get the story out of him." Uh, so I was all fired up. So the next day, (laughs) the, uh, the next day I went back to his house and normally I wouldn't go see them twice, but I went with like the mission to do this and we're having supper and, uh, I was telling him, I sat on the couch with him and I'm like, Oh puppy. I've been, and I just made up this story. I'm like, I've been reading a book about the Shag Harbor UFO event in you know, Shag Harbor, Nova Scotia. Do you know that story? And he's like, yeah, yeah. A lot of people say they saw something, but very few saw something up close the way I did. And (laughs) I was like, I was like, Papa, like, why don't you tell me the story? I'd love to talk to you about it. You've never told me the story. And I think what he said was, I'll tell you after supper. Uh, and yeah. so I was like, ac- I was like, all right, cool. Actually, here's a little thing: is while uh, I was tr- when I was trying to get the story out of him, I had my phone and I was recording, being like, if he tells the story, I'm going to try to record it. I wasn't thinking podcast; I was thinking like I'm going to play it for like my brother or something. Yeah. And uh, I saved the little part where he where he promised to tell me after supper. So why don't you tell me the story, puppy?
2: I'll tell you after supper.
0: Okay. after supper. So we do supper, we had we eat leftovers from the night before I wasn't giving up on it. Uh, And I remember two things happened that were important. One is he tells me the story. But before that, we're in the living room after eating supper, I think I'm having tea. And he starts to tell me the story. I asked him like tell Papa, tell me the story. And he's like, it was 1986. We're doing this doing that. And my grandmother walks in the room and she's like, you're not telling that story. Are you Eddie? And he uh, and I think I stopped. I was like, (laughs) I was like, Nani, like, let him tell me the story. I want to I want to hear the story. And my my papa said, I wish I had this part recorded. My papa said she was with me and she got the scare of her life. And my grandmother is like, yeah, and I don't like you talking about it around me. And so like that told me, like my grandmother, like just there admitted it happened by saying that. And I I was so like, oh, my God, like I got to get this story because I, I don't think I ever knew she saw I, I've never heard her say anything other than don't talk about it. So after, yeah. after that moment, I'm like, Papa, you, you got to tell me the story. <laughs> uh, and he said, come down in the room and I'll tell you the story because he didn't want her to hear the story. So in my yeah. granddad, he's not like jumping up off the coach and walking down the hall. That was it's like an ordeal to get him down the hall. He had a right. walker and a cane at this point. <laughs> um, so we we get him down the hall he sits on the corner of his bed and I said uh, I said papa and actually no I didn't say this what he said to me is like actually I should back up because one other thing he loved when I would do is I would just show him my phone and I would show him like the world clock where you can see the time in all the different cities and I would right. show him um, he would get me to Google things mainly his phone number he'd be like put my name in that thing and so I'd go to like Canada 411 and like find his name and address and I'd be like, "See?" Uh or he'd get me to like, you know, search General Washington uh of the War of 1812, this sort of thing and I'd find Wikipedia entries for him. But anyway, my granddad said, "I want you to record me with the phone there and when you get back to Halifax, I want you to uh to take it to the library." the recording, and he wanted me to, I think he wanted me to play it for someone who worked at the library to see if they could help figure out what happened. So that was a part of the reason this is recorded. So I'm like, all right, Papa, yeah. tell this story and I'll record it. Uh, it's. I think it's been a while since you heard this, Scott. And if tears are running down my face, it's because I love my granddad very much. And it yeah. makes me yeah. sad sometimes, but let's go for it.
2: Yeah. Well, we're traveling northern Cape Britain I was traveling to a friend of mine that died approximately a little after seven o'clock mm-hmm. In, uh, January the 26th, 1986 I was uh, <laughs> driving up a place called Monroe's Point. It's a high it's a high uh, level, sort of a half sized mountain and all of a sudden I saw this thing coming through the sky and it hovered right above my car and my I had a fairly new car and uh, installed my engine. I looked up and it was a, a big disc, round disc, it was it was tremendous, maybe 20 or 30 feet in diameter and it stood over above the car and it lit up all English town. I, I was confounded, you know, my wife got the fright of her life this thing lit, hovered right above the car and uh, then away it went south. But it lit up the St. Anne's Bay, I could make out the houses over in English town and it was right above the water. And the English town is is, uh, on the Cabot Trail. But I was on the west side of the Cabot Trail. But uh, I was going to a wake, and I wouldn't dare say anything at the wake because a lot of them Scots people, uh, they're very superstitious. Uh And they might think I was off my rocker. So when I got back to Sydney, yeah, I called the, the CBC and I gave them a story on it and I called uh, Search and Rescue and they told me whatever you think it, it was, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. In other words, they didn't, they didn't want to admit that UFOs were in the area. But at the time, in 1986, there was a lot of sightings of UFOs. And now I don't know if this is a fact or not, whether, whether it's real or not, but the, Somebody was telling me that the Challenger at that time, uh, a UFO struck the Challenger. That's what caused the Challenger to explode. Now I'm not sure it's a fact. I can only say you know, hearsay. And there was different sightings of UFOs, but uh, I never believed in that kind of stuff. But I knew you know they were shooting for the stars and different things in the astronomers Mm -hmm. and. uh, I was talking to a, a science professor in Nova Scotia. He says it was probably a fireball. Well, I don't think a fireball stops in midair. It doesn't stop. You know, it's a streak in the sky, and that, and uh, you know, the, uh, it's unreal that they a fireball will stop. But this UFO had to be powered for it to stop. It had to be my something that was probably atomic motorized or something. It had to be, to hover above my car. Uh, I've been on that road a, a hundred times, say, mm-hmm. over the years. I never had a problem on that road, winter and summer. I used to go to go Northern Cape Britain two or three times a month. Mm-hmm. I was in the trucking business. Okay, But it was something that once in a lifetime you would see. A lot of people in the other parts of Canada, the United States, they've seen UFOs but I don't think they saw they came that close. It's it's once-in-a-lifetime experience, and it was a very, very highly dangerous experience too.
0: Exactly right. Do you, do you feel lucky for having seen it? Yeah. All right, fantastic. Thanks for sharing that with me, puppy.
2: All right, thank you very much.
0: I didn't say this, but when I did that recording, I think he was like 88, yeah. 89. Like he's, he is old, but he, um when he tells the story, he was like, he was right to it. So passionate telling, he was pumped to be telling the story. And um, so we won't get into yet what we think it was or what it may have been, but I'll tell you what I did is I told him, I said, Papa, I'm going to take this recording yeah. back to Halifax. And I'll see what I can figure out for you. And he's like, yes, that's, they told me it was a fireball and I don't believe them. So what I, what I did, I got back to Halifax and still at this point, I didn't have nighttime podcast and that's not what I was lucky to do. What I was initially, what I was going to do is I'm going to take your recording, the recording that you just heard, and I'm going to go through it and get every fact or detail so I can try to figure out, you know, a, is the story even legit? Like, does it add up? And if so, what could it have been? So I went through and I th- saw things like he said the date. I don't remember, January 21st, 86, I think is what he said. Uh, yeah, whatever the date was, he gave me the date. He told me the location. He said, <laughs> I'm going to a friend's wake in Inganish. Like he told me, what, and he even afterward, I didn't, it's not in the recording, but he even gave me the friend's name. Yeah. Uh. Um, I had asked him, I didn't include it in what I just played there, but I asked him some follow-up questions like, do you remember like, what the sky was like? What did you see? And he gave me all the specific details of everything that he could remember. So I was like, alright, I know the date, where he was going. Uh, Awake should have been happening in Inganish. Um, this is what he thought the weather was like. You know, This is what direction he would have been looking, because he describes it, like where he saw it. Monroe's point is, um, if you've ever gone to the highlands of Cape Breton, the way it works is the road is often, there's a cliff side next to it with a body of water down below yeah. uh Bay St. Anne, I think it's called. So where Monroe's point yeah. is puppy would have been high up off the water on, on a highway with a cliff leading down to the, to the bay on the other side of the water yeah. is English town, which is like a small town. So puppet described like I'm going here. It came yeah. above me, stopped my car. It passed over the water and then went up over English town and lit up English town as it was leaving. So I, I knew what direction this thing would have been traveling and roughly when. So anyway, um, I got to Halifax and I'm like, how do I research stuff from back then? Sure. The easiest one was going to be the, um, the wake. So I'm like, if I can get into old newspapers, I can find a obituary for his friend and an obituary is going to say the wake. Uh, so I, so I went to the public archives, yeah. which is a spot in Halifax that archives old yeah. newspapers and documents. Oh, wow. um, I went to the through the Cape Breton Post for like the, you know, four or five days or a week or whatever before yeah. just trying to find the obituary for this guy. Sure enough, I found it. Uh, checked out just sure. like Papa said, the obituary yep. was like not the obituary, the the wake. Was the night like it was like an evening obituary, uh, an evening wake up? Like, was it like eight o'clock or something? I'm bag on the details yeah. now because this was five years ago I did this. Um, but, right, like it was right where and when Papa said, I looked up uh, the weather data you can find online, old weather data. It was exactly how he said. Where he described yeah. being in Monroe's, Monroe's Point, and he described like the way it looked right. going over the water and over English Town. I went on Google Maps and I looked at when you're in Monroe's Point, what's your view like from the road? No. And it was like exactly the way he described it. And Monroe's Point is, I couldn't even find, initially, I couldn't even find where that is because it's not even, it's yeah. not like a town or anything. It, it, like it may have been back when Papa, Papa used to be, um, like a delivery driver for trucks, like in like the forties or something. So maybe it was back then, but it's like on Google maps. So Monroe's point, like it wasn't even there, but then when I found out where, it what, where it should be and put, drop my cursor there and looked around on Google maps, it's exactly how he described it. Like in, yeah. What I was doing is as I was talking to, uh, as I was researching and I was calling him just to have something to talk with him, talk to him about other than Oak Island, I'd call him and just talk to him about my research and get, mo- and I would like kind of confirm details and ask follow-up questions yeah, and every single sure. time he talked about it, it was the exact same story. No on BS. This date, I saw it this way and his story was mm. completely solid every single time. So, so anyway, um, there was no BS. It was it, it checked out and it was factual as far as the details. So what I what I was thinking is like it was getting really interesting because it was all checking out, and I was like, man, I gotta like where do I go with this next? So I ended up uh, I had a book called Maritime UFO Files, and it's stories of UFO sightings across the maritimes where I live mm-hmm. um, in the. And i was i bought the book at a used bookstore and i'm like i'm gonna go through some sightings like from that era like around 86 to see if there's anything similar um and i was just you know just to i like i'm even more into ufos now than i was then but i was just trying to find out like is there was there anything else going on around that time i didn't really (laughs) find any other sightings that matched but the front page of this book was like you know um where they would say like, you know, to my daughter, you know, that's like the the author would do something like that. In this case, the author said like, if you want to discuss sightings, or if you've had a sighting, you can contact me at, and he had his email address. So I'm like, like, yeah, what the hell? I'm going to email this guy. So I emailed him and told him what I was doing. And I was like, I'd love some help, you know, just trying to figure out what my grandparents may have seen. Uh, and this guy writes me back. His name is Don ledger. He's now a friend of mine, but he's like, I'll come over. I'll bring, you know, give me the dates. I'll bring all the, uh, maps of what would have been in satellites at the time that were in the sky. And this guy is a a retired pilot. So he had all these maps of, um, where planes would have been traveling that night. So he came over to my house and he's like a UFO, a well-known UFO researcher in Canada. He's one of the main guys for Shag Harbor, but he, um, He came over with all this map data. And I was like, when he was coming to my house, I'm thinking like this UFO guy is going to show up with like these hokey, like electronics. And Mm -hmm. he's going to like, I don't know, read my thumbprint or something. Like just, I was thinking it was going to be crazy, but he was actually very, logical and reasonable and kind of scientific he's like i could find no planes that it could have been mistaken for or anything and he's like yeah i think if i was still actively researching this would be a case i'd be interested in but his thing was like so much time has passed that you know what what really can you do so as as this was happening i'm thinking like maybe i could make like Uh A video because I, or like, and put it on YouTube or something like a short documentary. But I'm not good at video stuff. I was like, I'd probably do better if I just did audio because, of course, I had a bit of a background in music and stuff. So it's like, I could probably do it in audio, but what could I do with the audio? And I was like, maybe I could record something and connect with some other podcast and maybe they would air it as an episode or something. (laughs) But it's so personal because it's my grandparents. I don't want to just like give it away. And I was like, to hell with it. I'm just going to launch a podcast just to put out this story. Yeah. And that, that was how I did my first episode of, and I called it the nighttime podcast. Cause I was doing this work with my researching the event and stuff yeah. in the nighttime. So I, I literally like sat down on it with a keyboard, yeah. made a little bit of music yes. and told the story of researching my granddad's sighting. um, that was my first episode. It's no longer available on my feed now because it's oh. very rough compared to what I do now. But at the time, podcasts were rougher, so it wasn't as big of a deal. Yeah, and not true. many people in Canada even had podcasts. So um, CB- CBC did a story about it, and it just uh, it took off right away. I released that episode. I released that episode, yeah. and I had like I don't know within a couple of days, I had like five or ten thousand downloads, which for a new podcast is like a really like you're off, you're hit the ground running if you got that. Um, But what it did was it made my granddad really happy to have the story out there, but here's where it really gets interesting. Everyone in my family was like listening and hearing the story now and they were interested. So they were asking him about it and he was loving that, but it was like forcing my grandmother to talk about it. And that's when it really got interesting because still Papa it's like, I don't know. Is he exaggerating a big light above his car? What could it could be. My grandmother, when she started to like, I would say, Nani, did you read uh, <laughs> the thing in the newspaper? Cause her local newspaper, the Cape Breton post had a big story. I was like, Nani, did you read the newspaper? You're in there. And yeah. She was like, Oh, I hope people don't think we're crazy.
2: Yeah.
0: And, and I was like, well, and i was thinking like i i want to get my nani to tell me the story maybe i can do a follow up episode um and it worked so that that ended up being like the third the second or third episode of my podcast was the follow up my nani but this one uh, i'll play this for you as well but this is um, so the context of this is puppet told the story. I released my episode, the newspaper is <laughs> Cape Breton covered it. My granddad bought a whole bunch of copies of the newspaper
2: and he was walking <laughs> around the
0: seniors home. They lived in because they lived together in a senior's home. And he was given his newspaper being like,
2: Amazing.
0: Oh, I saw a UFO and it's in there, you know? Um, so in his photo, I think it was a photo of him and her on like the second or third page or something. I have it in my closet somewhere, but it was out there. My grandmother had to face it. And the way I got the story out of her, I was just talking to her about something else. And I was like, you should tell me the story, Nani. Like we can do a, I'll put you on my podcast. And she would, you know, she always find a reason not to do it. And then one day she was on the phone with me. Like again, like two weeks after I released the episode and at the, you the call or the recording I'll play starts with us like getting off the phone, like she's saying goodbye. And then I'm like, just tell me the story, Nani. And she goes on and tells. And what's interesting about her account is it's more like again, she's talking about the psychological effect rather than the physical effect. Puppet describes like this disc-shaped ball of light comes above the car, stalls the engine. You know, I'm looking up at the light yeah. and, you know, my car wouldn't start. Nani is talking not so much about what she saw and what happened with the car. She's talking about how she felt, which is a, a cool contrast to Papa's story. Here's how Nani Teresa describes it. I love this recording.
1: Yeah. Okay, dear. Yeah. Let's go. It was nice to talk
0: to you. Yeah, I was gonna ask. Very I wanted nice. to, uh, if you had time soon, I wanted to ask you about the UFO thing. I was, uh, I've had a lot of people ask me to get your side of the story. I was hoping you would talk to me about it.
1: Yeah. Well, I was there with him. I mean, I've seen it. <laughs> Just that I didn't know what the heck it was. Yeah. To me, it was something really, really frightening.
0: Do you have like three minutes now to tell me?
1: I'm telling you now. Okay.
0: Puppy had told me his story. Could you just tell me in your words what had happened? Well,
1: like, like he said, we were out for, a, not for a drive, we were going to a wake. You know, all of a sudden there, we saw this, I don't know how to describe it really. You know, just this thing came over the water, and I was terrified. I didn't know if it was a war coming over, something dropping from the sky. What in the world it was. It was frightening.
0: And Puppy, so, said, puppy said it made the car stop. How, how did that happen?
1: Yeah. It just stopped. You know, I didn't know what happened. It just stopped like that. Out of the blue. <laughs> no, I I know it sounds foolish. And like I and I you know, afterwards when he was talking about it, I was like, Oh my god, don't let people hear you because they're they were nuts for sure. <laughs> you know, seeing the UFO or whatever they want to call it. But really I, I was terrified. I didn't know what it was that just came over there and you know, and then being on a clunky road, that didn't help it any. And going to a wake beside...
0: When when the car stopped and, and the thing was hovering above you, Puppy said it just flew off and you were able to start the car. Is that how it happened?
1: Yeah, it, it just, you know, it just went. It just went. I I, I can't really describe something like that. It, all I know It was a very frightening thing to me. I didn't know what was happening. But when we got there, he he didn't say a word, because I told him, you know, I said, for heaven's sake, don't go saying this to people, you know, because who would believe at at that time, especially? Maybe now they might believe something like that, but at that time, no, you you kept it to yourself, because they'd call you nuts.
0: Mm -hmm. And he he talks about it from time to time, and you often tell them not to talk about it.
1: That's right. I always told them that. I say, you better forget that. We don't know what it was. But you still don't know what it was. I don't know. It, it did happen. It started with my own eyes. But I can't, I can't tell you what it was. I was just too, too scared.
0: And you're, yeah, I can hear it now. You're still a little nervous that it happened.
1: Sure. I wouldn't want to see that again, Jordan. Nobody would. That's a frightening thing.
0: Yeah, the way you're describing it is very typical. Where Often where people see something like this, they're embarrassed or they don't want to tell anybody because it's... No.
1: I never wanted him to say a word about it because, uh, you know, at that time, Jordan, they look at you and say, oh, you know, to themselves, say, oh, sure, sure, you saw something, yeah, yeah. So this, this is why, like, I, I never said that to anybody. I don't think I even told her Wayne. She was surprised when she heard it.
0: And Most people in the family don't, don't know the story.
1: Yeah, because, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say nothing about that, no. But it did, we did see something, definitely. I mean, not lying there, that's for sure. It was something, but like I said, I have no idea what in the world that was. It was something very frightening.
0: No, but it's a unique thing to have seen, so it's an interesting thing to talk about.
1: Well, at that time, I didn't even want to think about it anymore, Jordan. You know, I was actually scared. i got to admit the truth. I was scared because I I didn't know if the heavens were blowing up on us. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I just was. You know, sure, if, if you went and or something like that, you'd be scared too, Jordan.
0: Yeah, you're darn right I would be.
1: You would be. You can't help it. Yeah. no, we, we had no idea what it was. It was just a frightening thing. Oh my God, that, that's so many years ago now. Oh God, it was back in the 80s.
0: Yeah, or just about 30 years ago. So yeah, that's a long time ago.
1: Yeah, but see, you don't forget something like that.
0: No, I can tell I can hear in your voice. No. You normally you don't sound this worked up when you talk.
1: Yeah, no, no. It was I would want to see it again. No.
0: Well, you don't have to talk about it anymore. I appreciate you telling me the story, Nanny.
1: Oh, that's you're welcome, dear. Should've told you we should have told you this years ago.
0: Well, I'm glad I heard the story now. It's 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 settled. Yeah. It's done. Everybody now the family knows and it's it's settled and we don't have to talk about it anymore. Yeah.
1: No, we kept quiet about it because like you know, like I said, it's not something that you want to broadcast if they, they you're crazy. But it happens. Mm-hmm. Anyway,
0: okay, well I, just,
1: I should let you go.
0: Okay, well thanks for talking to me, Nanny. I love you.
1: I love you too, dear. Take
0: care now. Alright. Bye bye. Okay, bye bye. Sorry to interrupt the episode like this, but I want to take a moment and tell you about something I just posted to the Nighttime Premium feed. But for those of you unfamiliar, let me start by telling you that there is in fact a separate and much better feed than the one you're listening to right now. It's available exclusively at patreon.com nighttimepodcast nighttime podcast. The premium feed costs just a little bit more than a candy bar, but it's much more satisfying than some chocolate nuts could ever be. First, the premium feed helps fund the creation of the show, so if you enjoy nighttime, you have the patron subscribers to thank. Secondly, the premium feed is far less annoying. Since it's listener-funded, there's no ads like this or any of the others you've heard. And lastly, but most importantly, the premium feed includes exclusive episodes that you won't find here on the free feed. Shortly after the release of this episode, I'm going to be releasing the two original episodes of Nighttime that tell the story you're hearing now. But if you plan to listen, I'll warn you, those episodes are rough. But I suppose it shows that I've gotten much better at this. So if you're interested in the Nighttime Premium Feed, visit patreon.com slash nighttimepodcast. And as an added bonus, all annual subscribers of the Premium Feed will receive a free nighttime welcome swag pack. Again, you can get yours at P A T R E O N dot com slash nighttime podcast. (laughs) Isn't she sweet? Poor Nanny (laughs) Teresa. So scared of the UFO. Yeah. My God. But what do you think like you know her. How credible is is it to hear her tell it like that? Very credible. <clears throat> I, I honestly, she, like, she was I, friends I with think my of... mom. So. Yes, she was. Yeah. I, I couldn't think of... She worked with your mom, right? She worked with my mom, yeah, at the hospital. Yeah, Because, yeah, my nanny worked at the hospital. Your mom was a nurse?
2: Was a nurse, yeah.
0: Wow, well, that's... Yeah, I remember my nanny always would ask about you because she knew your mom. And your dad, your Papa knew your dad from the suit store. Papa knew everybody in Sydney who had like a regular job. He's like, Oh, that's the guy who does, he's the cashier. That's so easy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But when I think of like, if, if you like with a gun to my head, you're like name three people who are the most credible people on earth. I'd be like, um, my grandmother, (laughs) (laughs)
2: like
0: she would be one. I, I have, I could never imagine her even telling a joke no. like it, like that wouldn't even be something she would do. It's it's no. <laughs> she's, a, she's straight as an arrow where, where Papa is the opposite of that. Papa would be like, you know, if he told me that he ran, he went to the mall or he went to the grocery store to get milk and he encountered a time traveler. I'd be like, of course you did, Papa. But having my grandmother there, it changes the context of it completely. Yeah. Um, Agreed. So in Papa's last years, so this was recorded, those two interviews and those episodes were from 2015-ish. Papa's last its probably three or four years on this planet were preoccupied with UFOs. It was all he wanted to talk about was his UFO experience. I would say he'd call me and he would be like, Oh God, blah, blah, blah. And then he would say, he'd want me to read him emails or messages from anyone who would write me about that episode. And he would say, uh, you hear from anyone about my you know about ufos and i'd say oh like i got an email from someone about your ufo story it's yeah. not a story he would always correct me it's not a story he, he stood by it yeah. he um with great pride uh at the nursing home what ended up happening was when you heard him in that interview he lived at like kind of an assisted living old folks home with oh. my grandmother oh yeah not not long after that he was putting something in the trunk of his car outside of a drugstore, as he was doing that, another car backed out of a parking spot. And we don't know if that car hit him mm. or if Papa or if Papa got startled and fell, something happened and it ends with Papa landing on the ground and having a broken hip. Oh, um, man. I remember that. Yeah. 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 So that's not what killed him though. What happens when you're like, what I learned is when you're 88, or whatever, or 89 or however old he was, if you like break a bone and you got to lay in bed for three weeks to heal those three weeks of laying on your back and not doing your routine and being up and at it, it's like, it might as well have been 15 years. And it was him with a hip. He had to lay in a bed at a hospital for, I don't know, like six months or something. And it just, killed him it destroyed him he went yeah. from he turned into like his his ability to like talk was gone yeah. he just like all of his muscle like on his body like just went away because it's just your body like when you're that old and you're if you're not using it it just like dies and it just he lost all his strength his ability to talk was going then um he couldn't leave the hospital then. And they were waiting to find him like not assisted living, but like full nursing home. But the problem was my grandmother couldn't get in a nursing home because she was, she's still in great shape. Yeah. Um, still. <laughs> if you should see my grand. Like, well, for people who are listening that haven't seen her, my grandmother's like, again, she's like close to 90. Her skin's younger looking than mine is. Um, and I'm 40. Like when you, if you put us next to each other, you'd be like, yeah, she has better skin than he does she's uh and yeah. to talk to her she's just so with it but papa um they couldn't get they couldn't we couldn't get a place where they could both live together so papa the place and then on top of that the places that would take him had this epic waiting list it was you know be you pretty much have to wait till like a couple people die in the nursing home so papa can take their room kind of thing yeah meanwhile he's just sitting in a hospital bed with like in in a room with like two other people it just said it was just so horrible to go see yeah. him like that but it yeah. got to the point very quickly where i would go in and i could tell like sometimes i go see him and he'd have no idea who i was sure um but what i did was i put a bunch of episodes of the podcast on an mp3 player yeah. and he would just sit there listen to them over and over again uh, especially the one about his story he like loved listening to it but um, right until the end, every time I talked to him, he'd ask about it. What are people saying? What's going on in Oak Island? Don't invest. But um, then finally, like, it's hard to be sad when like a ninety-two-year-old dies. Yeah. But he was ninety-two when uh, when he, um, when he met his yeah. end. When he passed. But it's it's hard to be like sad about someone that no. old. But uh, no. he's like. He's like a kind of like a dad to me, I guess. We we've been so close throughout our lives yeah. that, yeah, it's really sad. But it, um, I'm glad. Like one thing I love about this story is it was just a really cool experience that like I had with him. Like really near the end, yeah. Then sure. uh, he had this thing in his head where he he thought I got an award from like a UFO group for this story so he would often talk about it but what he was misunderstanding is um not long after i released this episode the royal canadian mint released a coin about the shag harbor event he he thought it was and he must have saw an ad or something he thought the coin was about his was an award about his ufo story for me (laughs) so and again he's in like a a hospital like, and at the end, so I'm like, yeah, I'm really proud of that award (laughs) puppy. But uh, here's the last kind of update. And this is probably how we'll end. This is um, I often said, like, I'll never say this while he's alive, but he's passed now. So I'm put it out. There is um, while I was doing the episodes, uh, everything was checking out but he was off slightly by the day. I th- uh, Let's say he says January 26th, the wake was actually on January 24th and that didn't change much because the weather was just like he said on January 24th as well. And I was like, ah, he's off by two days, but everything else checks out. So, you know, I'm going to give him uh, two days cause he's days. You know, talking about something that happened 30 years ago, but that two days become super important. Um, where he is, where he sees this, again, is the highlands of Cape Breton. Um, the sky is very, like, it's very dark there. There's not street lights, So it's the kind of place where you look up, you'll see every star. Yep. Anyway, um, after I released the second episode with my grandmother, I got an email from somebody who is a, uh, like, a hobbyist astronomer from Newfoundland okay. uh, the province next door to Nova Scotia or across the pond from Nova Scotia. Yeah. He, he said, um, he's like, yeah, I was uh, listening to the episode with your grandparents. I was really like, you know, interested. So I, I went through my archives to see if I could find anything through that day. And he's like, I found something that I think, you know, you may be, you may want to see. And he sent me like um, a little snippet from, it wasn't like a newspaper or anything. It was some kind of like astronomical astrological kind of newsletter where people would like document like comets and shooting stars and you know, where they're seen and how long they were lit up for. And he said, uh, he's like, there is a little known comet um, that passed over Newfoundland on whatever the 24th which is like the day papa said he's like i don't know if it's connected to your granddad but because your granddad's like thing was two days later um but here's some information on that comet you may want to look into it and i didn't say on the original episode that papa was off by two days so when i saw this i was like oh shit like this is you know uh, something in the sky at least above newfoundland that's noteworthy on the night papa said he saw it then when I started looking at this particular comet, it's called uh, Howley's comet, H O W L I E S comet, mm-hmm. not to be like confused with like Halley's a comet, which is like a more more known. This is like Howley's different comet. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I started looking into its path and where it was seen, it traveled directly over the part of Cape Breton, Monroe's that. Point. Yeah, it would have, tra- like, the line you would draw, like, where it would be most visible, it was right over that area. It went across the sky, across ca- over Cape Breton, over the Atlantic Ocean, over Newfoundland. And it would have been most, I guess, the way the path went, it would have been, like, seen well where Papa was in that area, and then in certain parts of Newfoundland. Right. Um, but when I saw that, when I looked at the time the comet occurred, it was right when Papa said, this fireball happened. So I was, or this UFO or whatever happened. So I was like, I'm not mentioning this to my papa. He will like, that would be um, a betrayal if I say, if I said that to him. So, but I, I kind of like, I kept looking into it like, yeah, but what about all the other kind of parts of the story he mentioned? Oh, and I should say as well, he describes the thing going over him over the water, lighting up English town. That's the path that this comet took. Yeah. Um, So that's like, I think that alone is pretty, pretty big. But then Papa always said, it went above my car and it stalled my engine. And he's like, and I had a new, like it wasn't an old car that never happened before. It was a good car. When I look at Monroe's point, (laughs) it's at a part of the road where you're driving up a hill. And often, like, I don't know a lot about cars, but what people have said is that you're way more likely to stall going up a hill, Uh, yeah. especially if you like lay off on the gas. So what I suspect could have happened is Papa driving up a hill, really like putting a lot of pressure on the engine by driving up a hill. Right. And as a comet passes, maybe he loosens up on the gas in the car just stalls yeah and it's the winter
1: time too right they could have been icy or it could have january you know,
0: yeah yeah but it's like the,
1: mode or the engine
0: In january in the highlands of cape breton it's going to be damn cold yes yeah, um very but and and he's right on the water there yep. it's it's like so i'm not saying that's what it was i mentioned that to my uncle mm-hmm. who was really interested in the story. My uncle doesn't think that's what it is, but I think like if you're choosing between um, intelligently controlled or powered object in the sky or the comet that traveled across the sky like that night. Um, yeah. It's, I, I don't know. It's whatever it was, whether it was the comet or something else, it, it left a huge impact on my grandparents, both, in terms of like grand Papa Eddie, like he, he lived his life thinking he saw aliens. My grandmother to this day is still upset and agitated by the story. So I think there's, it's that meaningful, yeah. whatever it is. I wouldn't have told, I wouldn't have brought up the Howley's comment with Papa alive. Cause I, I know he wouldn't, I wouldn't even want to tell him that cause no. that's a little deflating, but, that's uh, that's kind of how, what came of it in the end.
1: Yeah. It, it, it was a comic.
0: Damn. Is that what you think? I hope not. Um, probably. You want to but, be aliens? Uh, yeah. No, I'd like to think it was an alien starship that passed over Papa Eddie's Studebagger or whatever the heck he was driving. <laughs> <laughs> he always had nice cars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Full of radios and stuff. Full of radios, yeah. I mean, just
1: yeah,
0: yeah. It's a nice story though, and um, yeah, he. W- I wish if if he was alive, I, I would open up like the call in lines, and Papa, I'm sure he would call in and tell us exactly what it was. Yeah, yeah. But he uh, would. I'm trying to think of what else. Um, only other things that are notable is like I was trying to figure out. Papa had told me that when he was reporting at the places, he got a call from an astronomer at an like an astronomy professor at a university. And he's like, he's the only guy who took me seriously. And I kept right. saying like, what's the guy's name puppy? What university I was dying to find this guy. Cause it seemed like Papa got a couple calls back and forth with this guy. And that, sure. and it was this guy who said, it's a fireball. I had never heard of a fireball, but I asked Don ledger, the UFO guy that had come over Yeah, and a fireball is like an, another name for a comet. Sure which is again what kind of like it pointed to for me so i think i've been right oh yeah maybe maybe that guy knew about howley's comet
2: yeah i think so
0: well yeah but anyway um i'm glad you talked this one out with me because i've been like that episode's been off the feed forever yeah and i wanted to like bring that story back so i think this was the way to do it yeah yeah it was a great episode well randy cheers to that
2: Cheers, man.
0: I want to thank you for joining Randy and I in our discussion surrounding my grandparents' UFO sighting. It probably goes without saying, but my grandparents are really important to me. And perhaps this episode will serve as a reminder for those of you fortunate enough to have your grandparents still with us to connect or reconnect with them. They are and their stories aren't always there for us. And with that, I'll wrap up this episode of Nighttime. But before we part, I'm going to give some thanks. A big thank you to Randy, again, for spending his evening with me and with the listeners of Nighttime. A big thank you to Monty Data for contributing the music in this episode. It's a piece called Noir Tokyo. And lastly, a massive thank you to everyone who listens as without your support, Nighttime would be as pointless as it would be impossible. But with that said, keeping the show alive is and has always been an uphill battle. So if you want to help take a bit of weight off the show's back, please listen on the premium feed. And with that said, let me thank the newest supporters of the show. Ursula, Aaron, Sarah, and Ross, thank you for your generous support. And for anyone else who'd like to support the show but can't do it financially, you can give me a big hand by simply sharing the episodes on social media and letting like-minded friends know what we're doing here you want to give me some story ideas or some feedback on the show you can get me at nighttimepodcast.com slash contact or on facebook twitter and instagram or of course on the nighttime podcast youtube channel so until next time take care of each other hug your loved ones tight and let me know if you see anything weird the nighttime podcast is written hosted and produced by jordan bonaparte copyright jordan bonaparte